Hello, friends. Welcome to Wednesday, September 28th. Today's episode of Enough for Today. We are in Psalm 62, and it is early for me, and I'm getting my day started and looking forward to not only a great day, but a great few days and so much effort. Pray for our staff. So much effort has gone into the next uh, eight, nine days um, out of the ministry of our church, and then Emmanuel Global right on the heels of that. We're so excited about uh, tomorrow's worship conference with uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, Thursday, Friday, uh, the Thursday night concert, uh, and it'll be a room full of worship and celebration. It'll be a great time. And then this weekend, we launch into Emmanuel Global. So we start to look at the work that God's doing through our missionaries and just some of the stories that are happening and unfolding around the world in the, in the name of Christ, and uh, in part as an extension of Emmanuel. And then on Monday, we begin our uh, retreat for pastors and their wives. 52 couples are joining us. It'll be a time to pour into and invest in and encourage them in the work that God's called them to do and, and strengthen them towards wellness, health, so that they can give their churches healthy leadership. Well, we left off yesterday in towards the end of Psalm 62, where David is teaching us as his readers, to not trust, not put too much stock in people that seem to be of prominence or stature or um, worldly success, and then riches. Look at verse 10. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery, thievery, stealing, dishonest living. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Now, this is where we left yesterday, the setting of our affections. We set our hearts. We must set our hearts on the right things, okay? And how that Jesus is the one Lord that will never crush us. He will always um, strengthen and, and, and provide for us, but he'll never, uh, we can never lose him. And so what we have in him can never be lost. So David now is going to wrap up the psalm in verses 11 and 12. And let's see if we can get through the end of this psalm and then begin Psalm 63 tomorrow. So verse 11 says, God has spoken once, twice, have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. For thou renderest to every man according to his work. Now there's a couple of things I want to bring out here. The first is obvious, okay, uh, that David said, God said this, I've heard this, I've grown up knowing this. Power belongs to God. So those that seem to have power uh, it's temporarily delegated. We can find great hope in that in the political arena, in the social and civil arena. We can find great hope in the global sense of things, knowing that power belongs to God. Jesus said after he resurrected, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore. So based on the fact that we have Christ and he has all power, nothing slips by him, nothing surprises him, Nothing catches him off guard, and nothing could bring a challenge to his ultimate and supreme authority over all things. So evil only goes as far as he determines it can go for the short term, and then he will render justice and vengeance and judgment. Until then, we trust him. We know that power ultimately rests with him. Anything that comes at you today, anything that comes at us any day of the week uh, in our lives has uh, has got to go through him, has got to be approved by and filtered by and um, and purposed by him. So all power uh, belongs to him. 
So don't get caught too much in the power and success traps of this world, this life, this temporary sojourn. Look at verse 12. Also, now this is an interesting and amazing contrast and a seeming contradiction on two levels. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. So mercy is um, unconditional demonstration of compassion. It's pity. It's the withholding of deserved judgment. It is not rendering the justice that someone deserves. It is instead rendering a, a tender compassion. Okay. So God is, his mercies are new every morning. Um, his mercies are unfailing. His mercies endure forever, the psalm says. So I want you to see first the contrast between the ideas of power and mercy. In human constructs, we are impressed with power, but we most need mercy. And it is almost impossible to find them both together except in Jesus. The Old Testament picture of this is a king and a shepherd, okay? A king is this mighty ruling one who staves off evil and brings stability and provision and protection and renders goodness um, for uh, for others and we are we are attracted to that kind of provision we want a president who will do good we want managers and executives we want CEOs in our jobs and in our corporations to be honest and to lead with power and strength and direction we need strong leadership in our lives and in our world but typically in the human sense when you have strong leadership you don't have tenderness you don't have gentleness you don't have mercy compassion. Type A people are not generally compassionate people. They're uh, abrasive. They're authoritarian. They're totalitarian. They, they're, they're visionary. They steamroll over people. And it's either get on the bus or get off the bus and we're going to run you over with the bus. <laughs> that's, that's what a type A personality typically is. And those personalities make, make good for power leaders, power people, but they're generally not merciful. They're generally not, uh, not compassionate. And if you have compassion, which we all need, we all long for that too. We all long for gentleness, to be led with a shepherdly kind of care and provision and tenderness. Jesus said that he is gentle or meek, meek of heart. His heart is meek. His spirit is meek. He is the source and the, uh, the possessor of all power. But in his personhood, he's gentle. He's a shepherd. He's the great king but he's a gentle shepherd at the same time. It's what we look for in every parent, in every leader, in every father figure, in every um, corporate leader, in every governing leader, and never quite find it. And so we find it only in Jesus. Now, it's what every leader should try to model on our best days as leaders, as parents, as pastors, as whatever you are. Um, on our best days, we, we find some blend of of expressing direction and leadership in in the exertion of power, God-delegated power, but then doing so mercifully and compassionately. It is the challenge of all of our lives, though. But Jesus strikes this perfect combination of the two that's so hard to find in humanity. And so when you're looking for power, look to Jesus. When you're looking for mercy, which we all need, uh, then look to Jesus. But look at this last... uh, 
potential, what seems like a conflict. Not only do power and mercy seem like a conflict, but then look at this. For thou renderest, you give, you disseminate to every man according to his work. Now, doesn't that seem like a contradiction to salvation by grace, not of works, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast? It seems like that, but the Bible's full of apparent contradictions that aren't really contradictions. Uh, we've talked about them before on this podcast as well as in, in church. For instance, the, the great conflict, the great apparent conflict of Scripture is that God is holy and that God loves sinful beings like us. How does holiness love sin, sinful people, and how does love for sinful people remain holy? It seems like his holiness would have to destroy us in judgment, but that would conquer his love. While his love would save us in mercy, but that would conquer his holiness. So which one loses? Does his holiness lose or does his love lose? That's the question of the ages. That's the question of Scripture. That's the apparent contradiction, but it's not really a contradiction because it's resolved in who? In Jesus. Jesus bore the wrath and fulfilled the demands of God's holiness so that he could express love to you and to me and fulfill the character of God's mercy. Well, the same is true in this phrase, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Well, that's bad news if you're depending on your work, but it's good news if you're depending on the work of Christ. So think of it this way. By what work is God going to judge you? By what work will you give an account at the judgment of, of God, the judgment seat, if you're a believer, the judgment seat of Jesus. By what work will you be estimated? Well, if it's by your own work, that means that your faith is not in the work of Jesus Christ and you're achieving or trying to accomplish your own salvation, which is a hopeless effort. And that's why the Bible says it is not of our own effort. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But it is by the work of Christ and when you place faith in Jesus, which is what Jesus said in John 8 is the work of Abraham, okay? The work of Abraham was to place faith in the work of Jesus. Um, then what happens is you are imputed with the work of Christ. All the works that Jesus ever did, all the good things he ever did are credited to your account. And all the bad things that you ever did are credited to Christ's account, taken to the cross. Justice is served on the cross. And suddenly your work in the eyes of God, the work that's yours is actually the work of Christ that you have received. It's been imputed to you. It's been placed upon you by grace and mercy. And that's how verse 12 is not a conflict. Unto the Lord belongs mercy, everlasting, new every morning mercy. And he renders his justice, his holiness, his wrath, renders his goodness, renders to every man according to to his work. So those that are in verses 7, 8, 9, 10 that are seem to be of high degree or that are making dishonest living by oppression, they're going to come into account with God. But those who have placed their faith in the work of Christ, they will too come into account with God, but that accounting will be a glorious and a beautiful and a wonderful accounting because Jesus' work has been attributed to us. So thank God we belong to a God of power. We can trust him to lead us well and handle things well, but a God of mercy. He is gentle with us today. So my friend, happy Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, there is no activity at church tonight, so don't come to campus at seven. It's all moved to tomorrow night. Pray for us this weekend. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.